Man, Easter Sunday, better said Resurrection Sunday. It's the day Jesus Christ literally rose from the dead. Let that sink in. He literally rose from the dead. I mean, death is that one, uh, that one thing that nobody had been able to conquer. It's that one thing that, man, when we talk about, some people don't want to talk about death. Some people don't want to consider it. But Jesus dealt with death. He defeated death. Today is the day we celebrate that he literally rose from the dead. The Old Testament prophets predicted it. Jesus himself said he'd do it, and then he did it. Man, I've met some people, Brother Blaze, that they could talk a good talk. They would tell you a whole bunch of stuff. You ever met folks like that? But then when it came time to do it, they just couldn't pull it off, Art. But Jesus not only said he'd do it, but then he did it. And he did the one thing that nobody else could accomplish. Man, that's pretty good stuff. Because he kept his word in this all-important area, I believe we can trust everything else he said. Amen? Today validates our Christian faith. Death, that absolute thing, the final door that so many of us fear, it has been conquered by our Savior. And because he conquered it, you and I can have hope that we can as well. Amen? This morning I want to tell you about something that is so precious to me. I'm not going to talk to you about my wife. I'm not going to talk to you about my kids, although they're pretty doggone precious. I want us to look in God's word at an amazing subject called grace. An amazing subject called grace. What's so amazing about grace? We've sung songs about it. We, we talk about it all the time. Grace is an amazing, amazing thing. And today I want to submit to you that grace is greater. Grace is greater, you fill in the blank. It's greater than all your problems. It's greater than all your sins. It's greater than all your hang-ups. It's greater than whatever you may be going through right now at this moment. Grace, my friend, is greater. And you know what? Without any further ado, I can't wait to prove that point to you. But let's first pray that the Lord would just pour out his grace over every one of us in an amazing way. Because, friends, that's one thing you can't get enough of. Okay? Grace is something you can't get enough of because it is greater. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray today, Lord God, on this Easter Sunday morning, on this Resurrection Sunday morning, that, God, we would just get a fresh revelation of your grace. God, some of us have been in church all our lives. Lord, we need a fresh revelation of grace. Some of us, Lord God, we haven't been in church, period, in years. We need a new revelation of your grace. Lord, it is something that we cannot get enough of. I ask today, Lord God, that you would help me to communicate this most amazing subject in a very clear and concise way. And Holy Spirit, that you would just touch people's hearts today so that, God, they would accept that free gift of grace that you offer every one of us today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and everybody would say, Amen. By the way, I just made everybody really, really thirsty right there, huh? By the way, don't forget, right after service, we've got Easter pictures. You don't want to miss them. That's going to be a lot, a lot of fun, and then next week you can come back and get that free, that free five by seven. All righty, guys, grace is greater. Grace is greater. So if grace is greater, and it most certainly is, then what is this thing that we call grace? Well, grace is defined as God's unmerited favor toward mankind. God's unmerited favor toward mankind. It means it's something we can't earn. It's something we don't deserve. Let me, let me help you with something. Never pray for God to give you what you deserve. That's a prayer you don't want to pray. Okay? It's kind of like a prayer for patience. You don't want to pray that. All right? I've already shared with my church folks how to pray for their pastor. Do you pray for me for patience? No. 
I pray for grace and mercy, okay? Because what happens when you pray for patience? You get put in situations where you got to use it. And the last thing you want to use is something you ain't got a lot of. So what you need when you put in a situation where you got to deal with a teenager? You need grace and you need mercy. Amen? That was free. Wasn't even in my notes. I just wanted to share it with you, okay? But grace is defined as God's unmerited favor toward mankind. Webster in the dictionary expounds it a bit more. The unconstrained and undeserved divine favor or goodwill. God's loving mercy displayed to man for the salvation of a person's soul. You see, guys, grace is not just a thing without a purpose. Grace has a purpose, and that purpose is for the salvation of a man's soul. Boy, it sounds like something we could all use a little more of, huh? So now, if we know what grace is, let's examine what it can do. I believe, based upon God's word and my personal experiences by serving God for the last 23 years, that grace is greater than so many things in our lives. But let's look at but a few of these areas this Easter Sunday morning. Number one, grace is greater than your past. Grace is greater than your past. Now guys, let's be honest, we all have a past, don't we? Some of it good, some of it bad. For a moment, let's just take a walk down memory lane and think about your past. Imagine, Brother Ricky, if we could put up some snapshots of your past. There'd be some times when you hit a softball 500 feet you'd feel pretty good about, huh? And then there'd be some things you certainly would not want on that screen, right? We've all been there before. We've had good things in our past. We've had bad things in our past. And without a question, there are things in our past that we wish we could go back and change. Nobody's alone in that, huh? We all wish we could go back and change some things. Get a do-over. Do we have any golfers in the house? A mulligan. Okay, what is a mulligan? A mulligan means you hit your shot in the water and they say hit another one. Okay, you hit your shot over there in the parking lot. They're like hit it again okay it makes you feel good it it, you didn't deserve to hit it again but they're letting you do it over you see God gives us do-overs he gives us mulligans even your pastor has a few of these moments okay now guys I could go on and on about one of these moments but one thing that reminds me and since I have some family here you might remember some of these it was a new year's day Carmen's like I can't believe you're about to tell that story yeah I am it was a new year's day Yeah, it was a New Year's Day, and, uh, you know, sometimes teenagers on New Year's Eve make poor choices, okay? My kids are much smarter than I ever was. Well, I was below the legal age to to do certain things, and I decided that I wanted an adult beverage or two. Bad choice. By the way, your, your pastor... Your, your pastor had some issues back then, okay? And, and I had one too many, okay? And, and that next morning, we went to my aunt's house, my favorite aunt back there in the back, Aunt T, okay? My favorite aunt. She's my only aunt right now, but she's still my favorite, okay? And uh, we went to her house, and what, what do you have to eat on, Christ, on, on New Year's Day? You have cabbage and black-eyed peas. Now, guys, I've never been a big fan of either, Okay, and, and, and just if everything's good, those things will turn my stomach. Well, my stomach wasn't already right to begin with, Michael. So now we've got black eyed peas and we've got cabbage. Okay, and, and I try my best to, to eat that. And, and uh, Tina, you remember something wasn't right with me, right? Okay, yeah, you, he obviously had seen that look before. And Brother Rick, I just wasn't feeling myself. And, and I made up some excuse. Oh, I had a little something bad to eat. 
And they were like, yeah, all right. Okay, so I stomached as much cap. By the way, my mom's chewing her cheek right now. You ought to see this. Okay, Mom, it's not your fault. I was an idiot. Okay, that's why I'm telling this story. Okay, so I was eating my cabbage, eating my black eyed peas, and it wasn't settling very well. Okay, now did I mention I was a big old football player? I mean, I could eat anything. Okay, but that day, Hayden, I wasn't eating very much. And then they decided we're going to go ride on the levee. Now, guys, if I was feeling 100%, riding on a levee doesn't sound like something I'd really, really want to do. Well, I already explained to you, I wasn't feeling 100%. I was far from it, okay? So I decided I'm going to pass on this one, right? So everybody leaves, and I think, whew, I've survived, okay? Well, for some reason, I go to the restroom, and, and my stomach all of a sudden got, got a little queasy, and, and, and I might have threw up a little bit, okay? Okay, a lot bit. And A.T. happened to have this little pot plant right in the wrong spot. So I baptized that stupid little thing, okay? And like every great teenager, I decided, well, I'm just going to wipe it up a little bit and go back to bed. You know, there's a scripture that says, surely your sin will find you out. Because I'm in bed, and I hear my favorite cousin say, what is happening here? I can hear all this. Somebody threw up in here. And all of a sudden, the voices are etching up. The pitch is getting louder and louder, okay? And by the way, did I mention I had a headache too? Okay, so I I wasn't liking all this, okay? Before you know it, my mom is at the edge of the bed chewing me out. Mothers, why do you do that? Come on now. Hayden's like, moms do that, okay? But they were chewing me out. And then finally, Carmen said, you could have covered for me. You could have took the plant. I mean, it was 29 years old, a little piece of junk. Throw it away. But no, you had to say something, okay? You could have thrown that away. You could have covered for me. (sighs) Needless to say, it wasn't one of my best days, okay? So guess what, guys? Even your pastor has a past. We all have a past. Now, that story was pretty humorous, huh? I'm glad that you got some humor at my my expense. But here's the deal, guys. We all have things we wish we could go back and do different, okay? Now, I shared with you a real funny thing, but, but some things in your past aren't very funny, are they? They're very embarrassing. They're very shameful. They're very painful. You know, it reminds me of a, a, of a story about your family being a little embarrassing. Mark Twain once said, I spent half my fortune researching my family history, and I spent the other half of it covering it up. Can anybody relate? See, that's one of my better moments right there. That, that's me proving that I'm a coach of a baseball team, but I can still hit a baseball. You know, that's the amazing thing about kids. They think we forgot how to play, Rick. But hey, you remember that, okay? So here's the deal, guys. Um, there are some things in our past that we're proud of. There's some things in our past we're not so proud of, okay? Like Mark Twain once said, I spent half my fortune researching my family's history. I spent the other half trying to cover it back up. The fact is you can't go back and cover it up. You can't go back and change the past. As much as there are some things that have happened to you, some decisions that you made you wish you could do over, you don't get to do that. But he can go back. He can go back. Jesus can walk right into those areas of your past that are the most embarrassing, the most unbelievably shameful, the most unbearably painful, your worst areas of sin and failure, and wipe the slate clean. He did that for me. He did that for so many of us in here today. He can do that for you if you'll let him.
He can give you that much needed fresh start. He can give you that do-over. He can give you that mulligan. How many of you in here have taken Jesus up on his offer of forgiveness and watched him do this very same thing for you? If he's done that in your life, give him a hand clap right now. You see, guys, I'm not alone. I have a past. You have a past. We all have a past. We wish we could go back and do something different. We wish we could go back and just say no. We wish we could have threw that stupid pot plant out the window. But we can't go back and do any of those things. But Jesus can go to those places that bring so much shame, bring so much guilt, bring so much pain into your life, and he can wash it all clean. He can wipe the slate clean. He can forgive you of even those things you can't hardly forgive yourself of. That's what grace is, guys. That is what grace is. See, grace is greater than your past. Don't let guilt, don't let shame, don't let regret hold you back any longer because grace is greater than your past. Amen? Number two, not only is grace greater than your past, but grace is greater than all your problems. Now, how many in here got some problems, okay? We all got problems, don't we? Man, again, it's kind of the great common denominator. We're all in this thing together. We all have problems. We all have troubles. We all have hangups. In fact, Jesus said in John 16, that in this world, you would have trouble. But he didn't stop there. If he just said that, boy, that wouldn't be very encouraging. If he just said, all right, boys, you're going to have a hard time in this life, that would kind of stink, wouldn't it? But he, he didn't stop right there. He said, but be of good courage, I have overcome this world. He said, I have overcome your problems. I'm greater than your problems. You may have a bunch of hang-ups, you may have a bunch of problems, but I'm greater than every one of those things. So what kind of troubles do we have? Financial troubles. Anybody got any of those? Family troubles. Now, I know you don't have a perfect family like me. But anybody got some family troubles? Some of you got that trouble sitting right next to you in your pew this morning. Don't look at them. Just be thankful they're there. Okay? Hey, we all have family trouble. Okay? Man, you know, did you know family is the greatest gift other than Jesus that God ever gave you? Some of you are wishing there was a return policy on that gift, huh? But we all have financial problems. We all have family troubles. Anybody have job troubles? Yeah, we all have job troubles, emotional troubles, spiritual troubles. We all have them. For example, I currently teach full-time at a public high school, okay? Now, I'm not going to say I hate this job because I am very thankful that it is helping pay the bills and provide for me and my family. But what I will tell you is I've only got 24 more days left. I'm counting them down, okay? 24 more days for, for my church to be praying for what their pastor? Grace and mercy. No patience, okay? By the way, do we have any school teachers in the house today? God bless you. We, need to, we, I, we have never prayed for teachers well enough. I've got a new perspective on how to pray for teachers, okay? Because look, everybody says, oh, I'd love to be a teacher. Yeah, you, got, you got weekends off. You got the whole summer off. My goodness, we need that off to keep from killing them, okay? Now, maybe you don't teach high schoolers, but I teach high schoolers. And man, that, the spirit of slap, I just got to rebuke that all day long. It's not good, okay? But remember, that's when you pray for patience for your pastor. You don't do that anymore. Pray for grace and for mercy. But here's the deal, guys. We all have problems. We all have different problems in our lives. So what are some of your problems? Some big ones, some small ones, some personal ones, some public ones. 
Okay? God's grace is greater than any problem you may be dealing with today. Let me say that again. God's grace is greater than any problem you may be dealing with today. Did you know that Jesus had to deal with problems as well? Did you know that? You know, sometimes we think of Jesus as, man, he just had it all together, and he did. But do you know that he lived on this earth for 33 years? So he had to deal with some problems. In fact, in Hebrews chapter number 4, it paints a little picture of kind of what he had to deal with. Let's read it together. Hebrews chapter number 4, verses 14 through 16. Paul writes, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed under the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let that sink in. He lived this life for 33 years. He walked this earth. When he was on earth, he was fully man. He was still God, but he was fully man. He understood the temptations that we have, the same, the same issues that we deal with today. He had to deal with, but here's the big difference. He did it all without sin. You know, guys, there are sometimes I'm really glad my thoughts are just between me and God. Okay? Here's the deal. Let this sink in. Jesus never sent, sinned in action. He never sinned in thought as well. I don't know about you, but I'm not that good. <laughs> not even close, okay? But here's the key, guys. In all those things, he sinned not. So in light of that, look at verse 16. Let, this is an answer for some of you. Some of you have been wondering, what do I need to do? I've come to the end of myself. What is the answer? Here's the answer for you in verse 16 of Hebrews 4. Let us therefore come boldly. Say boldly. Boldly unto the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Guys, do you need something today? Do you need help with your problems? Do you need a solution to your problems? The solution is found in the man Jesus Christ. Amen? And what you need to do is come boldly to that place. Come boldly to the throne of grace and receive that help that you need. Why? Because God's grace is greater than all your problems. Number three, God's grace is greater than all your failures. I think we've all failed at something, huh? You know, I'm currently a baseball coach, and, and, and baseball is all about dealing with failure. It's all about dealing with failure. The greatest baseball hitters, they fail seven times out of ten. Let that sink in. A 300 hitter means he failed seven out of ten times. In high school, every now and then you have a 400 hitter. He still failed six out of ten times. Let that sink in. So baseball, kind of like life, is all about dealing with failures. Let me tell you something. One failure does not make you a failure. Just because you failed at something, doesn't matter what somebody tells you, doesn't matter what your mother-in-law might say, no offense, mom, doesn't, doesn't matter any of those things, one failure does not make you a failure. Amen? God's grace is greater than all your failures. Some of our failures are big, some of them small, some of them private, while some of them are public. Let's remember back to our school days. Did you ever fail a test? How many in here ever failed a test? All right. Some of you may even have tried to convince your folks that F stood for fantastic because you brought so many of those home. Okay? You know, thinking back to my school days, it was a little bit different for me. I was actually the valedictorian of my high school. Let that sink in. And there was more than three people at that school, okay? I was a valedictorian of my high school, so I made a lot of A's, okay? In fact, I only made one B in all of my high school career, and that was in driver's ed. 
And if any of you have ever seen me drive, you've probably figured that one out, okay? So I go to college, okay? And I'm in English 101, okay? And they said we had to write a paragraph. So as usual, I put the adequate amount of work into that paragraph, about all of five minutes, okay? Wrote my little paragraph, turned it in, and Ashley, I'm sure it's just going to be another A. Okay. Well, the next day in class, we're handing our papers out, and the teacher hands me a paper, Fabian, and it had an F on it. Now, I've seen those grades on other people's papers, but I'd never seen one that had my name on it. So I'm sitting there the whole period, Ricky, and staring at it. I, I, I was dumb. I was speechless. Let that sink in. I was speechless. Couldn't say a word. I'm going, wow. So I wait till class is over. I, I had no idea what she said that day because Miss Tammy, I was blown away. F on my paper. And I said, ma'am, can I speak to you for a moment? She said, why, yes. I said, I realize that we have 75 people in this class and you had a lot of paragraphs to read last night. So would you possibly take another look at mine because I think you may have made a mistake. Oh, yes, sweetie. She looked at it. And I had red all over. It looked like a Christmas tree, okay? She looked at oh, I was like, okay, she figured, she circled a couple more. She said, I missed a couple more comma splices. She handed that paper back to me, and I said, so I still have an F? She's like, you lucky you got that. I was like, are, are, are you serious? She's like, son, you better learn how to use a comma in my class, or you're going to get to try it again. Well, needless to say, I did learn how to use a comma in her class. I ended up pulling a B out of that English 101 class. And in fact, as I, I, I don't know if you know, I played college football in, in college. And, and it, I found out through other people that no athlete had ever passed her class. She hated athletes, okay? So I think when my paragraph was about football, that kind of gave her a hint that, that I wasn't a real bright one, okay? But I did learn how to use a comma, okay? And I managed to pull a B out of that class. But here's the deal. I didn't know how to deal with failure. I knew how to make some great jokes when I saw those Fs on my buddy's papers, Corey, but, but I, didn't know, I didn't know what to do when it was on my paper. Now, we, obviously, that gets us ready for life, huh? Because how many have dealt, dealt with failure in life? Now, you know what? I tell stories about my failure in, in English 101, and that's kind of funny and it's kind of humorous again. But guys, some of the things we failed in have been a lot more serious, huh? Some of us have failed in business. Some of you, you put all your savings into that business. You put all your work into that business, and it went belly up. Things out of your control. People said they'd do one thing, and they did another. People said they'd pay you, and they didn't. And then you filed bankruptcy and you feel like a failure. Some of you failed in your marriages. Some of you, you, you put everything into that thing and, and it just didn't work out. And, and all those things add up. All those failures add up. All these things add up and they make us feel like a failure. But I've got to tell you today that God's grace is greater. God's grace is greater than all your failures. Consider Paul the Apostle the writer of half of the New Testament. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, Paul tells a little bit about his story and, and, and he picks up reading in verses 9 and 10. Paul himself says, For I am least of the apostles, and I am meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Look, guys, Paul, the great apostle, the writer of over half the New Testament, at one time persecuted Christians. Today, we read his letters of encouragement. We read half the New Testament that was written by his hand, and we say, what amazing man of God. Well, before he had a real encounter with Jesus, he persecuted Christians. He had them arrested. He even had them uh, sentenced to death. He did some heinous things. 
and you look, you add things up, you look at the scoreboard of his life and he probably looks like a failure, right? But God's grace, but God's grace. And look what happens in verse 10. But by the grace of God, Paul writes this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly that they all, not Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You see, guys, grace made Paul. It's made me, and it'll make you as well. Amen? God's grace made you. God's grace is greater than all your failures. God's grace is greater than all your hang-ups. God's grace is greater than all your problems. The key is you have to accept it. You have to say yes to God's grace. We are all portraits of grace being painted by the hand of God. That's what Paul was. Paul said in Corinthians 15, grace made me. I say today publicly, grace made me. Harry and Ida Seneca had a lot to do with it, but grace made me. Amen? It made me the man I am today. It's making you into the person that you are today. So God's grace is greater than all your problems. And finally, as I close, God's grace is greater than all of our sins. See, all of our failures, falling short of God's standards, is our greatest failure in this life. And it's what we call sin. We all have a good idea of right and wrong, don't we? Your mama taught you that. Again, my problems with the students at the high school I teach at is not that they don't know right from wrong. It's just they don't want to do right. (laughs) They want to do wrong. And, And we're a lot like that sometimes, huh? We know right from wrong, but we choose to do wrong. Why? Because it feels good. It brings some temporary gain. All this is sin. Sin separates us from an intimate relationship with God, but God made a way to deal with our sins. Turn with me to John chapter number one. John chapter number one. This is where God talks about the the way he made to deal with our sins. John chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. John John writes, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, talking about Jesus. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness, talking about John the Baptist, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake, that he cometh after me is preferred before me, that he was before me. And of his fullness... We have all received and grace for grace. Verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Christ Jesus. You see, guys, grace and truth kissed each other in the person of Jesus Christ. See, the law, the Old Testament was kind of God's standards. And the truth of the matter is none of us could live up to those standards. None of us could live up to God's standards. But then Jesus came. And he came not to abolish all those standards, but to fulfill all those standards so that when we put our faith and trust in him, all of a sudden, no longer were we judged by our righteousness, but we were judged by his. All of a sudden, it wasn't the law on this hand, and we came in so woefully short. God would see his son who fulfilled every bit of the law so that you and I might have a renewed relationship with the Father. Grace kissed truth in the person of Jesus Christ. Friend, grace is greater than all your sins. No matter how humiliating or even how heinous your actions were, 
In 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, Jesus is quoted as saying, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Who did he tell this to? He told this to Paul the Apostle. Remember the person who we just read about said, Grace made me? But he's also saying it to you and I today. If I could take a moment to just say something on God's behalf to you, he would say, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, God would say, is made perfect in your weakness. Wow. Turn with me as I close to Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. Again, no coincidence here, it was written by Paul. It was written by the guy who said, grace made me. Look what he said about grace in Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you are saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, guys, grace is greater than all your sins, and it is a free gift offered to you today on this Easter Sunday. As I close, who needs this kind of grace? I think we would say we all do, huh? We all need more grace in our lives. As a, as a pastor who still has 24 days as a school teacher, I tell my church all the time, pray for grace and mercy. If me as a clergy member needs grace and mercy, how much more does every one of us need it? Amen? So as I close today, who needs this grace? The answer obviously is all of us. How do you know that to be true? Because Romans 3 and 23 tells us, for all have sinned. Say all. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's talking about us. That says that we all come up a little bit short. Paul continues in Romans chapter number 6 where he tells us the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And in Romans chapter number 10, he tells us how to receive that eternal life. Romans chapter number 10, verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.